Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 7th of July. Sydney's lockdown is set to be extended with reports the New South Wales Premier will this morning confirm that millions of residents across the greater Sydney region will spend another week under tough COVID restrictions. School students will return to online learning with the state government set to extend the stay-at-home orders as it battles to get the current COVID outbreak under control. Gladys Berejiklian is set to make an announcement at 11am this morning following crisis talks with health officials over the past 24 hours. Yesterday, there were 18 new locally acquired cases across New South Wales. Only 11 of those were in full isolation, bringing the total Bondi cluster to 257 infections. Here is the New South Wales Premier. We only intend for this lockdown to be the only lockdown we go through, and that will factor into our decision-making as to whether it finishes on Friday or whether we continue for a period longer. Meantime, as students across the Greater Sydney region are set to stay at home for online learning next week, those in regional areas of New South Wales will resume face-to-face lessons from Tuesday. It comes as calls grow for teachers to be at the front of the vaccine queue. Education expert Adam Voigt has told the project our educators should be a top priority. We have evidence from around the world of countries where there's been high levels of community transmission, where they've left their schools open. Uh, Long COVID is a real thing. And the UK, for instance, have had to open 15 COVID clinics to deal with kids who are dealing with symptoms for longer than three months. Also making news this morning, Australia's top business leaders will have their say on the COVID vaccination rollout as they meet with the head of the government's task force. Everything from vaccine incentives to getting the jab in the workplace will be on the agenda. Lieutenant General John Fruin says today's discussions will be about where industry can fit in to the vaccine program. Uh, then I think there will be discussions around uh, policy settings that might either to will help them or policy settings they could put in place that, that may even help us in encouraging Australians to get vaccinated. Um, and then I'll also be having a conversation uh, with them around uh, you know incentives maybe later in the program. And the Barty Party continues at Wimbledon. Ash Barty making history overnight, becoming the first Australian since Yelena Dokic in 2000 to make the final four after beating fellow Aussie Isla Tom Janovic. We'll have more details on the big win coming up shortly in sport. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground. And we start in New South Wales this morning and the Department of Health has apologised for giving more than 100 students at a prestigious Sydney boys' school a Pfizer vaccine in error. Around 160 students at St Joseph's College on Sydney's Lower North Shore received their first dose in May after health officials approved a request from the college. Our reporter Siobhan Caulfield has the details from Sydney. Yeah, Taj, Sydney Local Health District, which administered the jabs, says the doses were intended for First Nations students at the college who are eligible for the vaccine. But through an error, the wider group of boarders in Year 12 were also vaccinated. It has sparked outrage with older Aussies currently struggling to even get an appointment for Pfizer due to low supply, while teachers have long been asking to be put on the priority list for the jab, but to no avail. And to Victoria, while other parts of the country remain under tough COVID restrictions, the Victorian government looks set to relax measures even further. Our reporter Hannah Sly has more from Melbourne. 
Yeah, so as Victoria crosses its fingers to reach seven days without a local COVID case today, our mask rules look likely to ease with the state government likely to make a restrictions announcement very soon. The business chamber says Victorians should be rewarded for getting on top of our latest outbreak. Admitting face coverings should be scrapped in offices so we can revive the CBD again. Among the other restrictions forecast to change, footy crowds are tipped to increase to 75% just in time for the Bombers' Crows clash at Marvel. Theatre audiences are expected to go to 50% capacity, which spells good news for the likes of the Harry Potter show and Frozen the Musical. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Effie Zahos, editor-at-large at CanStar. Effie, good morning. Now, Sydney's lockdown is set to be extended and latest data shows the type of lockdown we have matters for the economy and spending. Yeah, that's true. Some uh, latest data from actually uh, the Commonwealth Bank with their credit card data on how much we're spending actually shows that it's been less impacted by current uh, restrictions in New South Wales than it was in Victoria's recent lockdown. So when you compare the two, you could say New South Wales is in what a, a quasi-lockdown, whereby Victoria was very hard shut everything. So card spending in New South Wales in the week ending the 2nd July dropped just 1.2 percentage points on the week prior compared to the 21 percentage point falls we saw during the first week of Victoria's most recent lockdown starting the 28th of May. So it just proves that the type of lockdown we do have can impact small businesses. Now nationwide household credit card uh, and debit card spending remained solid which is really good. It's tracking about 16 percent Five percent above 2019 levels. Now, this is this good news was clearly echoed yesterday with the RBA making the call to unwind its extraordinary 237 billion monetary stimulus, and it's a reflection of the growing strength in the economy. Of course, Tashi did leave the cash rate uh, at 0.1 percent. And Effie, it's interesting that uh, the COVID crisis has forced many to look at the possibility of more flexible workplaces and flexible conditions, working from home. So there's some interesting new research maybe putting a bit of a question mark on the end of the nine to five Monday to Friday workspace. I know, and aren't we all excited about that? <laughs> um, look, some reports last night came through. Uh, this was to do with a five-year trial in Iceland. They're exploring the effects of a shorter working week, and the, the, the outcomes were positive, notably you know, worker well-being and increased and productivity. Japan is also proposing shifting to a standard uh, four-week working day as well. Now, looking closer to home, similar results were actually found by a report by the RSCA, and that's the peak body for the recruitment and staff industry in both Australia and New Zealand around hybrid work arrangements and flexibility in hours. Now, according to this body, there are more pros than cons when it comes to employees choosing their hours, such as balanced work life, employees more satisfied, productivity increases. But the big issue, Tash, was around um, uh, accessibility of colleagues trying to, to marry up the working hours. But then when I looked at several companies within Australia, Alladison, for example, a software development company, they've overcome this by implementing time zones. So what they have is that their employees must work four hours a day in each of their major time zones, but the rest can be done whenever they want. And Optus allows its employees flexibility with school pickups. And this is good because we know in New South Wales, they're actually trialling flexible school times. 
Of course, this is not going to be happy for every small business out there because it can add more bookwork, more woes, trying to manage all this. It's a fine line, I guess, of balancing employee needs with those of the business and the staff. Always important to get the balance right. Thanks so much, Effie. Thanks. Time to sport now with Brett Thomas. And, Brett, as we mentioned earlier, Ash Barty has won the quarterfinal at Wimbledon in convincing fashion. Yes, she won the All-Aussie quarterfinal at uh, Wimbledon last night over Isla Tomjanovic. In the end, it was a one-sided affair. She powered through the first set, winning 6-1. Some of those games to love. In the second set, Tomjanovic uh, fought back, of course. This is her first appearance in a Grand Slam quarterfinal. She managed to break the Barty serve, but Barty still ended up winning 6-1, 6 three. Barty, of course, all class as you'd expect after the match, praising her opponent. Isla is an incredible competitor. I've, I've practiced with her a lot. I've played with her. Obviously, we're, we're Fed Cup teammates and she was always going to bring out the very best in me. I think I, I had to play my absolute best to be able to compete with her. So it's the first time we had two Aussie women in a Wimbledon quarterfinal since 1980. Her next challenge, Barty, is former Wimbledon champ Angelique Kerber, who has won three Grand Slams. So a tough challenge awaits in the semis. She's so classy. We wish Ash all the very best. Now, also making news this morning, Brett, in the NRL, Paul Vaughan has broken down in tears during his first interview after getting sacked from St George. Yeah, of course, his lucrative contract worth uh, in the vicinity of $800,000 a year has been torn up. On top of that, of course, the 50 grand fine and the eight-week suspension that is now, I guess, irrelevant for hosting that infamous house party on the weekend with 12 of his teammates that put the entire competition at risk. Now, that there are some other off-field incidents that also led to the Dragons uh, sacking Paul Vaughan. The prop telling Fox Sports supporting his family is now his biggest concern. I'm just worried about my family. and I'm just trying to put things in place um, at the moment that I can best look after them and just provide for them, which is one of the things that's going to be uh, a little bit tough, but that's just um, something that I will have to handle. Hopes his career isn't over, but it would be a big risk for a club to take on Vaughan, considering all the uh, dramas off the field. And in the AFL, Brett, the most successful coach currently in charge of an AFL club has been told to hand the reins to someone else. Yes, Sam Mitchell, a highly rated assistant at Hawthorne, uh, will officially take over as Hawthorne coach from Alastair Clarkson at the end of next season. So in 2023, it's a big move. Clarko, four-time premiership coach, uh, clearly the best coach in in the modern era, um, basically told by Hawthorne he's no longer wanted. Now, this was fast-tracked by the Collingwood coaching situation. They approached Mitchell, who knocked them back. Then Hawthorne said, well, let's lock in our coach, uh, our assistant coach, to take over from from 2023. Here is Alastair Clarkson on his future and whether he wants to coach again. There's one part of me that what I'm just talking about now is just, geez, he's still got the passion to coach. There's another part of me when you talk to me about family and sacrifice and my friends and all that sort of stuff, you get me in a different mood and scope altogether. And President Jeff Kennett says that they won't stand in Clarko's way if he does want to accept an offer to coach another club next season. I would imagine many of them would love to get Clarko on board. I think there are better clubs than Collingwood, to be quite honest, but still. But it's not there at the moment, and whatever happens, we'll deal with it. It's a massive call. Let's see if it pays off for the Hawks. Another big day in sport. Brett, thank you. Thanks, Tash. And this next story may make your skin crawl. A 65-year-old man in Austria has been bitten by a 1.6-metre python during an early morning trip to the bathroom. In a statement to police, the man said he was sitting on the toilet when he felt a nip in the genital area. It's believed the snake escaped from his neighbour's apartment 
and came up through the drains. The terrified victim is okay, suffering just minor injuries. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day. Stay safe and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.